This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. Welcome back, everybody, to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. My name is Nick, also known as Trader Nick here. And of course, I am joined by a regular contributor to the podcast, somebody who's been here longer than me, Craig Earlham, Senior Market Analyst from Oanda. Hey, Craig, how you doing? Really good, mate. How are you? Doing great and uh, staying busy here with this week. It is uh, Friday, so you know sometimes you get uh, uh, quiet Fridays in the market. Uh, sometimes you don't get quiet Fridays, like today, where we're getting uh, you know a sell-off in the Nasdaq, sell-off in the indices across the board. Uh, the dollar is strong. Gold is making some interesting moves to the upside. Um, it's it's quite a busy week, and I know there's a lot of stuff for us to get into uh, on today's podcast. I know we're going to talk central banks. Uh, first, I'll just give us a little bit of a coverage of kind of uh, this week in review in terms of all of the economic data that we got out of the U.S. It could pretty much be summarized, at least from my um, you know my exposure to what I've seen here, is a lot of kind of uh, inflationary stuff coming back into picture for the dollar. We had PPI numbers come out yesterday on Thursday, of course, uh, hotter than expected. CPI, kind of a similar story on Wednesday. So a lot of inflationary pressure kind of resurfacing, and that has the dollar uh, pretty strong today. And it also has uh, the indices pretty down. Um, you know, kind of an interesting move there. We also, of course, had some uh, so, some uh, some more numbers to follow. You have uh, University of Michigan put out some numbers uh, showing some overall uh, relative strength in the U.S. economy. Uh, of course, not a perfect report across the week, but for the most part, we're seeing some inflationary pressures, uh, strength to the retail consumer. That was a big uh, report this week as well. Uh, and overall, I guess the way to summarize this week was overall kind of a uh, a hawkish sounding or a strong sounding U.S. economy. And while we are still in the late stages uh, of, of what, at least what we think to be the, the late stage of the Federal Reserve's kind of rate hiking cycle, um, it, it still beckons the question, you know, is this going to be a longer drawn out battle with inflation than what investors were thinking? And I think that that might be what is causing some sell off in the indices, uh, so on and so forth. So starting in the US, Craig, I just want to start there as it was a pretty big week there. What do you make of all this stuff? And is, was there anything that stuck out to you that maybe I missed there? Yeah, you know what? I mean, like you say, it's a big week. It feels like this is the first week of the rest of the year in a weird way. Like it's the first week where we can say, do you know what? The summer is now over. That quiet period, we didn't have much volatility. It was very event light. There was a lot, far too much talk of Jackson Hole for many weeks going into it because there wasn't much else to talk about. And it kind of felt like, like I said, like this is this was the first real week back from the summer uh here in the uk we even had leaves falling off trees so autumn is very much now uh here uh, and as you say i think the the i think u.s inflation data it was a mixed bag it was in line with expectations across uh, broadly speaking a bit better on the core a bit worse on the headline much for muchness i think from a uk perspective we had a lot of data so i think like the the jobs report that we had um Again, kind of some good points and bad points. That unemployment rate still now around half a percent from its low. So it's slack in the labor market, that what we wanted to see. Um, that's also just above what the Bank of England kind of deems to be the, the kind of neutral level. So the level it kind of needs to sit at so that it's not overly inflationary. Um, and we're now above that and we're also about two tenths of one percent above where they expected to be at this stage as well. So again, signs that we're getting this slack in the labor market, but then it was accompanied by 
record wage data, eight and a half percent up from eight point two. So, um, uh, well, up from eight point four. Sorry, after upward revisions to that previous number and beating expectations. So, it was really uh, a, a mixed week for the UK. But then GDP came in softer, bad weather, strikes, etc. Uh, it gives a confusing picture for the Bank of England next week, which I know we'll come on to. Um, but I think what we're going to see more and more of now, and I think it's probably caught up in that data that I've just been talking about, is I think we're going to see economies now feeling the weight and the pressure of higher interest rates. And I think you could see that in some of the data we've just talked about and some of the economic readings that we've talked about as well. And you just mentioned the, U the UOM consumer sentiment number as well. But then also, um, I think we're going to see slack appearing in the labour market, very much linked to what I was just talking about. Uh, and then also, finally, um, the areas where there's still going to be some catch-up to play, and that comes from the wage data. I think wages will be the last to respond. So I think we will start to see more and more of that uh, progress seen in, in those three factors across the rest of the, the, the next few months. But it's just going to be interesting to see what we get from a lot of these uh, meetings next week, especially on the basis. I think I think the ECB meeting yesterday was fascinating, uh, and it kind of potentially set, sets us up for a really fascinating week as well to come, just because of how maybe unexpectedly open uh, the central bank was. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. And again, uh, before we hopped on the call, you had mentioned, you know, let's talk a little bit about uh, central banks. And and one central bank that we we definitely have to talk about is, you know, ECB on Thursday uh, was was really in some cases the the center stage. Yes, we had you know core retail sales and PPI out of the U.S. But what was really kind of surprising, I guess, to the market. Uh, was the move that happened at the euro, especially as again you mentioned, we go into next week, which is another busy week. Uh, you know, across the board, we have uh, the the uh, the refinancing rate out of Europe, which was forecasted to stay unchanged at four point twenty five percent, at least uh, by, by many analysts, and we actually got four point five percent. Now, at first glance, you know, when I was watching that, I figured, wow, that's got to be, you know, that's got to throw the euro to the upside, and initially, it actually did. There was a significant move on the euro dollar to the upside, but it was very, very short-lived uh, and ran back the other direction shortly after. I, I guess, to the best of my knowledge, there was some um, some serious concerns about, like you mentioned, the labor market kind of um, really cooling and seeing some some other areas of the economy that are, are a little bit of red flags. Uh, whereas in the U.S., we've had you know relatively you know resilient economy that's been the theme that was pretty much all summer what we we spoke about um maybe not so much in europe and and again that that uh from the from the policy statement that we got perhaps some some doubts there some concerns uh going forward so yes that that uh interest rate hike may be kind of in place to to continue to to push that war against inflation in europe but the question is, will that uh, you know, is that going to be enough to to you know keep the euro strength? And, and clearly, uh, following that, you know, since then, with some of the uh, the following data that we got out of the U.S., the euro has been trading pretty far down. And, and I know we want to talk central banks, so maybe uh, Craig, help us out on on the ECB, uh, of course, a major player when talking central banks. What's the what's your outlook on that? I guess uh, following all this this uh, downside that we've seen in the euro. Well, I think naturally the thing we always concentrate on first is the actual interest rate move. And as you say, we saw an interest rate hike. I don't know why markets were not expecting that, to be quite honest, because from my perspective, it felt like an easy decision. Inflation rose last month, mainly driven by energy. Uh, so it's still well off its lows. It's still well off where it needs to be. 
and uh, it's expected to fall over the next few months. So six weeks from now, it's going to be probably a lot harder for them to justify raising interest rates. So if they want to get it that little bit more restrictive before the end game, then I think it made perfect sense to do that now. I don't think they were ready to call it quits at the, at the level it was, it was previously at. So it kind of made a lot of sense for me, especially when you're armed with new economic forecasts, which were, again, expected to be a little less favourable. And then the forecasts themselves came with higher inflation readings for this year and next, and then dipping again to around, I think, 2.1% in 2025, so still slightly above target. Growth was revised down as well. But I think the reason why we saw the dip in the euro, it's this one line which accompanied it. So it's always, it's always the, the release of the rate decision, and then there's a statement. And this one line, I think, is what hit the euro. And it said, based on its current assessment, ECB considers that interest rates have reached levels that maintained for a sufficiently long duration will make a substantial contribution to the timely return of inflation to target. In other words, we've raised interest rates to a point that we think we can get inflation back to 2%. So there's probably going to be no more unless the data changes in a significantly adverse way. And it's this explicit almost confirmation that they've reached the end of the tightening cycle without completely closing the door on the potential for another entry hike that I think hit the euro. This is the dovish hike. But I think we were always going to see a dovish hike or a hawkish hold. We got the dovish hike, and it, I think arguably it was more of a dovish hike than many were anticipating, which is why the euro fell. That's great insights. And, and you know, as we say often on the podcast, for, for newer listeners who are trying to get a grasp on all this stuff, I know, you know, fundamentals and studying, you know, macro stuff can be a lot at once. But you always have to kind of remember that just because there was a rate hike, that's that's one side of it. It's always about the forward-looking uh, nature of the market. And so markets, uh, a lot of times, if they have a known or they have an unknown, they will run with it. So it's like you said, the, the dovish hike, I like that expression. I haven't heard that before, but it's that concept of, you know, they raise the interest rates, which of course on its surface level, oh, that's that's going to be bullish for the euro. But then it's the solitude, the knowing, the, the you know, the unknown becoming known, which is basically, hey, you know, we think we've done it. We think we've got it from here. Uh, of course, there can be revisions and things can change over time, but that is a big statement. And you know, we've mentioned that just in general, central banks with their uh, their decision making and and certainly their statements and and you know public hearings, they have to be very very cautious and and slow and defensive with what they say, uh, just because they don't want to jump to any conclusions. So having some sort of resolution, some sort of conclusion, is pretty big, uh, pretty big news out of Europe, and and it shows, I guess, where where at least their you know, they've they played their cards in a way uh, on that front. So very interesting to see that. And again, the euro sold off following that and has pretty much been persistent since then, especially with that uh, economic data out of US following. Um, uh, next week is really big. So it is Friday. We got the weekend, but next week we've got uh, the Swiss National Bank. And we also have some stuff out of, of course, the US, more stuff, uh, the FOMC statement on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, following that on Thursday, we have the SNB policy rate. And finally, on uh, Friday, we do have a little bit of Bank of Japan press conference. Craig, I know it's really important to talk just generally about central banks and I guess the, the Game of Thrones that kind of comes with it. Next week, what are you really paying attention to? I know personally, I'll certainly, of course, be watching the Fed uh, as, as everyone will be, but there are some other central banks in there that could be really impactful next week. Uh, not to mention there's also Australia uh, as well. They have their meeting minutes. So I guess, what, how do you break that down? What do you pay attention to next week? 
Yeah, there's a 36-hour period uh, late next week, which I think is going to be really fascinating. It feels like every central bank in the world, apart from the ECB, basically, is is going to announce its interest rate decision. We start with the Fed on Wednesday, and uh, they're expected to hold um, uh, at that meeting. But markets are starting to price in a slight possibility of another rate hike in this tightening cycle. I'm far from convinced. I don't think we're going to get another one. I think the Fed is done um but it's gonna be interesting to see whether they are as explicit as the ecb in in stating that because i think they're probably going to play their cards close to their chest the difference between the us and europe at this point is the economy i think the economy of the us is still showing a lot more resilience and therefore the fed may not want to close the door as far as its counterpart in the euro area has then thursday is just going to be relentless thursday we've got bank of england the the nauseous bank we've got the the sarb south africa reserve bank uh, we've got the smb as you say the swiss national bank we've got the turkish central bank the cbrt and we've also got uh, the swedish central bank as well now if you want to just give an overview it's basically 25 basis points almost across across the board the only two that uh, are not going to sit in that camp is south africa where they're expected to keep rates steady at 8.25 and turkey which lives in a universe of its own when it comes to interest rates and we're expecting uh, 500 basis points so interest rates rising from 25 percent to 30 percent the reason for that is basically they spent a year and a half, two years, cutting interest rates till inflation got close to 100% uh, in the run-up to the election under the previous governor, uh, under the direction of the of President Erdogan. And once he won uh, the election, he then sacked that governor, replaced him with uh, someone who actually knows what they're doing, who started raising interest rates extremely aggressively. And they're expected to raise interest rates again to 30%. You've got a currency at record lows. There's... Um, inflation rising again i think it's close to 60 percent. so again another really interesting interest rate decision but i think the bank of england obviously based on where i am is the one that really stands out for me because they're probably going to be the last to end their tightening cycle that may come on thursday interestingly we did hear from them recently in front of the treasury select committee and they did seem to suggest that it's going to be a much more balanced debate but i think with wages hitting a record high uh, wage growth hitting a record high. I think that's very hard to then justify pausing at this meeting. So I think 25 basis points in most cases um, uh, with a couple of uh, anomalies. And then on Friday, we've got the Bank of Japan. And ordinarily, you would think we're not going to get anything from there. They're, they're going to stay. They're going to not change anything committed to their ultra-easy uh, monetary policy. But then earlier this week, the, uh, the Bank of Japan governor did suggest that... Um, data between now and the end of the year may warrant raising interest rates out of negative territory that really caught people off guard now it may have just been a, a case of trying to talk up the currency because we're back in um intervention territory we're basically trading at levels that twice last year the japanese ministry of finance decided to intervene in the currency markets in order to prop it up Maybe this was an attempt to kind of talk up the currency. We see that all the time from central banks, but it really did get people's attention. And it means that as far as investors are, aware, are concerned at this stage, every Bank of Japan meeting is now live. And I think that makes that really interesting. So that 36-hour period when you're in the UK, Wednesday evening through Friday morning is going to be, uh, it's just going to be back-to-back -back central bank interest rate decisions. Absolutely. And a lot of volatility out of probably all of those uh, related currencies. And especially interesting what you said there at the end about Japan and uh, the Japanese yen trading currently at levels that, you know, previously were throwing up all sorts of uh, red alerts. And, you know, also to go with that, as you mentioned, 
you know, intervention, uh, the, these kind of threats of, of involvement to try and uh, prop up the currency have been several times seen from the Bank of Japan. And it does make you wonder if, if those comments uh, are sort of just another card being played or if there is some seriousness there. It'd be very interesting to see that out of Japan uh, next week. Of course, uh, we will be back on the podcast covering all of this stuff here next week. And uh, we have a, we have our work set out for us as a, as you know, on the podcast here. So uh, as viewers and as listeners, obviously you're, you can't see us, but as you can hear us, I would recommend you definitely subscribe to wherever you are listening to the podcast so that you could stay up to date with us. Uh, we'll be back. The whole the whole team will be covering next week uh, to keep you guys as informed as we can uh, on all of this stuff coming out of uh, you know global central banks. So uh, Craig, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast and uh, we'll speak again next week. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.